Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Francis Ball is with us in the studio once again today, and that always is an enjoyment to us. Francis, welcome back. It's an enjoyment to me too, Chris. Today, Francis, we come to Genesis 37, and this is a very rich portion of God's Word. I think many will be surprised because many people, I presume, begin to read the Bible in Genesis 1 and maybe give up before they get to this rich portion of the book. It has so much practical application to our own life situations, doesn't it? Yes, this uh, book is more than wonderful. I just praise the Lord for the Bible, for the life, the divine life, the eternal life, which is contained in this book called the Bible. And praise the Lord that he's offered us this opportunity to uh, have a life study of the book of Genesis. This first book of the Bible is so rich in meaning and full of practical applications. Actually, the meanings are so varied and so many in this life study. I believe all of you who are listening will need not only to get the practical points by listening to this broadcast, but really you need to uh, get the printed messages that are offered at the end of this program. Today's program concerning Jacob gives us a lot of help about our practical Christian living. Francis, thank you, and I'm glad you mentioned the life study messages. Of course, we talk about them briefly at the end of the program. Maybe I would just take an additional few seconds here to remind our listeners that the excerpts that we're going to hear today from Witness Lee are just that, just short excerpts from uh, lengthy messages that were given back, in this case, in the 1970s. And the complete messages uh, really are a bounty. They're really full of Uh, far more than we can ever hope to reach in just this 30 minutes that we have for our broadcast. So we do want to encourage the listeners to call or write, uh, email, whichever, and we'll let let them all know at the end of the program all the various ways that we can be reached. But with that said, let's join Witness Lee for today's life study, and we're in chapter 37 of Genesis with our brother, friend, father, Jacob. Jacob has journeyed a long way, not only geographically, even life-wise. Now, in chapter 37, he became an old man. Look into his biography. How many things he got through? Too many things. I was in the whole Bible, not other one had ever <laughs> passed through so many intermixed, complicated (laughs) situations as he did. He was dealt with by God. To such an extent, he lost nearly all what he was for. Rachel, he lost. Now, in Hebron, he was living there to continue a kind of fellowship as his forefathers had. Abraham lived 
in Hebron. Isaac lived there now after traveling through, journeying through such a long, long life. In Hebron, he was retired there. Surely he was retired. Otherwise, he would not spend that much to make a coat of many colors. You just read this one chapter, you can see. Jacob, no doubt, after so much dealing under God's hand, he has surely learned the lesson. He got tired of supplanting. He got tired of heel-holding. He got tired of cheating people. He got tired of struggling. He was really tired there. He was just calm down, enjoying life. Uh, he had a favorite son who was his heart treasure. And he loved this son so much, only making a colored garment for this one out of the twelve. The cause of Jacob's suffering is his partial love. But whatever happens in this chapter is God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Let me check with you. Why when the brothers were conspiring, you know, to uh, destroy Joseph, and eventually they changed their mind to sell him. Right away, the bears came. They haven't put out the sign yet. <laughs> sign on sale. No signs yet. The bears came. Who are the bears? Ishmaelites. And Ishmaelites were the descendants of Hagar. And this Ishmaelite came from Midian. And who was Midian? Midian was one of the sons of Abraham's last wife, Keturah. And these people brought Joseph to Egypt. Quite meaningful. All the two concubines of Abraham were somewhat related to the flesh. And the flesh is connected to the word. And Joseph was sold to such a source. But these are not merely coincidences. These are the things under God's sovereign hand. Even Jacob, in his partial love, he was under God's sovereignty. For what purpose? For the purpose that Jacob could mature. You have to notice his maturity began in chapter 37 till chapter 45. In these nine chapters, things happened to him again and again and again and again. These are the dealings, God's dealings in Jacob's last stage. After these nine chapters, from chapter 46, no more dealings. In the last five chapters, I tell you, you have the maturity, you have the expression, and you have the dominion. Only a mature life can bear God's image. Only a mature life 
can exercise God's dominion. Well, Francis, by now, Jacob has really come a long way, hasn't he? He surely has. A lot of experiences. We saw he began as a supplanter, a very clever person. Actually, I guess we could say a kind of con man, really. But now he has given all of that up. But God, it's interesting, is not yet done with him. What more could God be after in Jacob? What God was after in Jacob, after all the transforming experiences, was a man not only transformed, but also fully matured. By this chapter, chapter 37, Jacob was really a changed person. But to be transformed is not enough to meet God's desire and God's purpose. God's intention in creating man, according to Genesis 1.26, was that man could have God's image to express him and also would exercise his dominion to reign for him. Only a matured man in the divine life could fulfill this purpose. Therefore, God takes Jacob in this chapter to bring him all the way to maturity. God must have a man matured in the divine life to express him and to exercise his kingship according to his original purpose, which was stated in Genesis 1.26. Man was created in God's image, after God's likeness, and was given dominion. So God's intention with Jacob was to continue working with him, not only for his transformation, which by this time had been greatly accomplished, but now to deal with him further in the way of maturing him to the maturity of the divine life. This is a picture in the Old Testament of what God wants to do with us. Thank you, Francis. Let's rejoin Witness Lee with more of our life study today from Genesis 37. Joseph, among all the twelve sins, was the best. You couldn't believe these are the sins of a holy family. And these were the sins who became the fathers of the children race, the twelve tribes. In our eyes, these ten brothers should go to hell. Adultery, fornicator, murderer, hater, all this kind of person. If I gave Joseph a dream, you know, I would give what a dream. <laughs> Ten robbers coming to a gentle teenager and bow down to him. But listen, not ten robbers, all sheaves. You know what a sheaf? That is a bundle of wheat. In our eyes, all the sins of Jacob were poor, evil, bad. But in God's eyes, they were God's crop on this earth. Could you believe? We have to believe. Not only so. This was the first dream. The second dream, so heavenly, full of bright lights, sun, moon, stars. You see, these are all crooks. Right? But God said, no, stars. We all have to realize, according to our human fallen nature, 
We are ugly, dirty, evil. But hallelujah. Amen. We got children. Children, number one. Number ten, redeemed. Amen. Number three, forgiven. Amen. Number four, regenerated. Amen. Number five, transformed. So we are God's crop. Eventually, we will be God's harvest. And we also are heavenly light, sun, moon, and stars. My goodness, what conviction is this? Now, you have life and light. I tell you, these are the characteristics of God's people on this earth. Francis, when we look at Jacob's sons, it's easy to see, I think, why he preferred Joseph, isn't it? That's right. The others were a pretty shabby bunch at best, it seems, and we can probably see ourselves in all of these brothers. But God saw something that was quite different. How is it that God saw these rascals as his harvest and as the shining heavenly stars? You know, I don't know that many people would have considered how this was such a view that God had of these 11. When you look at their conduct toward Joseph, they're just like, as you described, they're quite a a wild bunch. But surely God sees these 11 sons of Jacob according to his plan and purpose and according to what he will do with them. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God sees everything according to his divine purpose and what his transforming work will do. We see robbers, fornicators, and all these other evil and sinful things in these eleven brothers, but God sees them as his crop, as his sheaves, and also as shining stars, shining for his purpose. And even they show up in the book of Revelation as being part of the new Jerusalem. Francis, let me ask you a follow-up. Does he view us then in this same light as well? Yes, I think so. And I praise the Lord for this, that God sees us, even we're the sinful and the evil and the ugly and the dirty ones. But he sees us as his crop and as his shining ones. For he sees us as the regenerated, transformed, and glorified sons of God. Thank the Lord that he doesn't leave us like he finds us, but he comes into us to be life to us, to transform us, and to make us his shining ones for the eternal new Jerusalem. Thank you, Francis. This is a marvelous picture when we get to see it from God's perspective. Let's go back to our life study and the conclusion. Here's Witness Lee. In the two dreams, Joseph saw all the other eleven bow down to him. And this bothered his father. And Jacob said, what? Will I and your mother, we all will bow down to you? Surely, Joseph was genuine and was frank and was faithful and was so straight. You see? Because of the two dreams, these brothers hated him yet more. One day, all the brothers went to take care of the flocks. Jacob, he sent Joseph to see his brothers. And Joseph was so obedient. Okay, 
when he was approaching, till his brothers, the brothers saw him. They talked in this way. Behold, that master of dreams come. Master of dreams. And they conspired to slay him, and they also planned to cheat their father. Reuben, he was the one thinking to uh, deliver this uh, victim out of their brothers. And rather to put him into a pit. Judah said, don't kill our brother. He's our flesh. We better sell him. <laughs> I say again, the signs, the sign was not out. The bears came. See, Joseph was sold to Ishmaelites from Midian. All these two sources represent flesh. Hatred always is connected to the flesh. And the flesh is always connected to the word. Hatred handed Joseph over to the flesh. And the flesh brought him down to Egypt. All these factors were put together under God's sovereign hand to accomplish just one thing. What one thing? To rob Jacob's heart treasure. After the death of Rachel, Jacob, at his retirement, his heart was fully upon whom? Upon Joseph. This dealing is too deep, too personal. Let me tell you, in principle, sooner or later, we will all pass through such a dealing. Don't be scared. It's good for us because we, in our hand, not only have chapter 37, we have also chapter 47, right? Surely we all can see the glorious result. This is just an underpass. It's a narrow underpass. Anyhow, we have to pass the underpass, right? This was real heart-touching. Suffering to Jacob. Nothing in his whole life touched him so personally, so deeply as the loss of Joseph. But actually, in the eyes of God, Joseph was not lost. But Joseph was uh, transferred by these uh, hateful brothers into a kind of university. Not UC, but UE. University of Egypt. <laughs> he was transferred there to get his higher education for his kingship. But sad to say, Jacob didn't have this realization. To his eyes, Joseph was devoured by beast. But in God's eyes, God said, uh, Jacob, you shouldn't 
mourn. You have to be rejoicing because I transferred your dear son to university. And you may miss him. That's okay. Don't mourn for him because he's there studying for his kingship. You all know the story. This book ends with a dominion. Joseph was exercising his full dominion over the whole earth by then. Pharaoh was the king, yet <laughs> he was just a figurehead. The acting king was Joseph. Joseph is just a part of Jacob, the reigning part. He was a person in these last 14 chapters that had the image of God and also exercised God's dominion. Now you can see, this book is completed. It started with God's image and dominion. It ends also with these two things. Now God is happy. God can say, my, surely in this universe, on this earth, I have a man there. Expressing me and representing me. I am a man that bears my image and exercises my dominion. Francis, I think the only way to say it is that this message is riveting in its implication. In one of your earlier answers, you referred to Genesis 1.26, and Witness Lee concludes our message today in the same way. Say something more, if you would, about the ways of God, and they surely are past finding out. In Jacob's case, his robbing Jacob of Joseph, but how that leads both to God ultimately being expressed and also God, through Joseph, fully reigning in dominion on this earth. Yes, certainly God's ways are beyond finding out, but it is very interesting to see how he deals with mankind according to his purpose. We saw God's intention in his creation of man was that man would not only express him in the divine nature, but would also reign in the divine life. God would never change or be defeated or give up this intention. In this case, in Genesis, particularly with Jacob, we see how God comes in to take fallen man who, as uh, you said also a while ago, a con man even, and through many years of experience, transforming and maturing such a one to fulfill his purpose of expressing God and eventually reigning on earth, God reigning through man. He needs a man that he can be expressed through and that he can be reigning through. Jacob with Joseph, gives us a clear picture of how God works out his eternal purpose of expression and dominion on the earth through man. Jacob was robbed, eventually, of his heart treasure in order to mature him, and through this he was matured to be the kind of person that could represent God in expressing him and even in Joseph reigning on the earth. 
Francis, thank you today for your fellowship on a really marvelous life study and one that I think goes a long way to renewing our own view of how we see ourselves in God's plan and His purpose. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge. Yeah.